Hi everybody, welcome to Hashtag All Podcasts Matter, the podcast about politics, social issues, movie news, movie reviews, and Keanu Reeves, and occasionally con coverage, which is what's happening in this episode. I recorded a panel at San Diego Comic Con. This is a cutthroat city panel moderated by Oakland's own Sway Calloway, movie directed by RZA of Wu-Tang fame. Also on the panel, Shamik Moore, Kat Graham, the great Wesley Snipes, Demetria Ship. Keenan Johnson, Tyrone Woodley, and young Zuri himself, Denzel Whitaker. Terrence Howard wasn't on the panel, but he did punch in for a bit with a video message. The trailer was shown for the first time at San Diego Comic-Con. I was excited to be amongst the group of people seeing it. This is kind of a highlight of doing the podcast, to be honest for me. I'm editing a piece of material with uh, some of my favorite actors right now. And uh, listen for how Wesley Snipes met Rizzo. It was a pretty cool story, kind of dope. Alright, hope you enjoy the panel. Calloway from Sway in the Morning, MTV, hip-hop culture, and just loving life. How y'all feeling? Y'all loving life today? We got some icons, friends of mine that are backstage. I want to bring them out and talk about this new movie, Cutthroat City, man. Y'all want to meet them? Yeah. All right, I'm going to bring them back up to the stage, man. Uh, before I do so, man, I got to say, uh, what Rizzo was talking about, what motivated him or what moved him in these uh, movies that he saw from overseas, and that he saw people fighting, uh, showing resistance uh, towards oppression and wanted to have proper representation and uh, represent um, how they feel and how they live. That's what this culture has done for us. So I met Rizzo way back in 1993 when we were all um, trying to find our way and find our path. And to be able to watch this man um, make the type of music that he's made and help cap catapult the careers of some of the artists he's done when you think about the Wu-Tang Clan, I mean, how many Wu-Tang Clan fans are really out here, man? Um, I just wanna say, man, this dude is an inspiration. Um, he talked about not learning about people like Malcolm X um, or Nat Turner or different folks uh, from our history, in, a, in, in American history, in the school books. But in this day and age, I think people like RZA are the Malcolm X's and the Nat Turners and those folks who just want to fight against oppression and utilize this, this culture to express themselves. To see him go from being a music producer, an MC, to now a filmmaker, and to watch how many people he's employed and how many careers he started, man, I just want to give him a big round of applause and represent my brother. <laughs> and with that said, I want to bring him back on stage. Time and time, man, can y'all give this man a standing ovation for me, please? Welcome back. Tyron, who's putting out music as well. Um, 
I, I see uh, Demetrius who looks like Pac, Terry uh, <laughs> Power, who we'll talk about momentarily, who's also a recording artist as well. Did you guys go in the studio at all? I mean, is this gonna be a soundtrack for this movie? It seems like it's ready made. No, we didn't, we didn't go into the studio to do no music, but I think our sibilance in music and rhythm of art is something that brought us together. Everybody on this stage, you see here, is a great, is great artist. I mean, uh, I think that's what we all have to come You You got, you know, I didn't mention some of the other people that are in this film, like um, Terrence Howard. Give it up for Terrence Howard. <laughs> I was talking to Wesley earlier, um, and, I, and I asked him, man, um, how did RZA get such a star-studded cast together to assemble for this movie? Wesley, you remember what you said to me, why you did it? Yeah, I told him that uh, he paid me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, that's not what I said. No, I, I, I said, yeah, that because it was RZA, he's a friend, I wanted to support him, so I, I did it as a favor to my friend. Did it as a favor? And a fellow artist. And a fellow artist. Uh, how important are those relationships when you put together a movie like this? I mean, relationship is everything, and, and artist trust is everything. You know, when, when I brought Cattle on board, you know, I was in a situation where I needed a, a talent to have a strong female energy to anchor Shamik's character. And right through Skype, I saw it in her, in her eyes, you know what I mean? And, uh, and she gave me the trust and she came and represented. So relationships are important because, you know, good energy always come back around to you. But also sharing of art is so much important. You know, we're talking music, movies, and martial arts. And I think that the martial part of what we do is getting in front of those cameras or behind those cameras and, and, and displaying our talents and giving our trust to each other. Everybody on the stage did that for me. That's what's up. Um, let's talk about Cutthroat City, because when I think of Cutthroat, I think of uh, people who are willing to do anything to get what it is they desire, right? That's true. And, and walk over anybody to get there. Uh, what is Cutthroat City? Well. I think we got a trailer for you. You want me to tell anybody? You want to watch the trailer? What do you want to do here, brother? You want to do the trailer now? Let's do the trailer, then we can talk more about it. Can we do that? <laughs> hey, yo, uh, hold on, listen. Can, can, can I say one thing? Yeah. I'm going to say a lot of things, but. <laughs> um, first of all, this young man right here. This movie, he's the first one to come on board. He plays the lead character, Blake. He was trying to get this movie made for a couple of years. We had some other great talent that was interested. But when I met this man and I seen his work in the get down, I knew that I found the Blake for this movie. And uh, so I want to thank you in front of these people. You know what I mean? So, thank you, big homie. And uh, um, we'll, yeah, we'll show the trailer. And, uh, and then after that, we'll talk about it, all right? Okay, let's do that, man. We never showed this to nobody before. First time. First glimpse in Comic-Con. And the reason why we came to Comic-Con, let me just say this, because he plays a graphic novelist who's trying to get his comic book published, all right? So, but, you know, so here we go right now. Cue it up, cue that, cue that joint up. You've never seen it, right, kid? All right, here we go, cut through it. Let me, oh, let, let me ask you this, uh, Shamik, when you first read the script, what, what was the first thing that came to mind? Um, when I first read the script, I mean, 
I wanted to be a part of an action club in general. I wanted to continue what I was doing on the get down with like the bad boys. I really liked digging into that side of me. And uh, when I sat down with Rizza, he told me my aspirations were, and this is how we started, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, reading the script, the first time we sat down in New Orleans and stuff, and I brought the table read, you remember? Yo, it was that, that's when we really all like was like, yo, this story right here is crazy. It was, uh, I feel like it's a great opportunity for everybody involved. Okay, and it was in New Orleans. What was that like shooting in New Orleans, Dad? Shot on the Ninth Ward, and uh, that was a trip because I don't know if you guys know, but still on the Ninth Ward, there's, there's uh, parts of this uh, area where there's still not running water, there's still no electricity. So, you know, we're very much a part of the community, and they were so amazing and so supportive, and they embraced us, and, and they came to visit. And, wanted to feel like, you know, in a way that we're the voice that they don't have, you know, uh -huh. still to this day. Is, is that part of the reason why for you too that, that uh, allured you to the script, just to tell the, keep telling the story of what happened in New Orleans and Hurricane Katrina? Yeah, who better to, to tell it with than King Rizza, you know what I'm saying? King right? Rizza. Just, you know what I'm saying? The Rizza. <laughs> the Rizza. Uh, hey, nah, I get that. Uh, Wesley, working with, all the, all, this is New Hollywood right here. Sway, uh, part of the reason I was uh, so happy to do this is because I saw all of these old actors here, and I was saying to myself, you know, look, these guys need some new, fresh energy <laughs> around them, you know, to help elevate, you know, their, their game and uh, before they uh, book. So, <laughs> I decided, you know, yes, let me go and lend my youthful energy yes. to all of these old folks over here, uh -huh. that, that the old dude right here. Yeah. Humanitarian efforts. Yeah, I love working with uh, Wesley, man. Yeah, what was that like? Did you did you have uh, parts for acting opposite of Wesley at all? Yeah, we we had we had some some interesting. Yeah, we had a little couple of things. You know, yeah, that's my father. You know, yeah. Okay, did y'all learn anything? Did you learn anything about what was going on post Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans by shooting this film? Yeah, I learned a whole lot about the the city actually. As far as the Ninth Ward, mm -hmm. uh, I think we were riding in a couple of scenes, but we actually got to see it. It was shot at right where the lake is broke. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you could see the, the damage that the Katrina still did, you know, that did, it's still there. Like, you know, it's really not cleaned up the Ninth Ward, it's really still going through some things. Um, and, but you, you in 2018? Yeah, like it's, it's not all the way together, the Ninth Ward. Really? Yeah. Uh -huh. So it, it was crazy to see, but, you know, the community being united is, is great for them, and especially for us being a part of that and having them along with us. Okay, Denzel, uh, let me ask you, I mean, I asked Wesley what it was it like working with him. What was it like for you working with a, alongside of Wesley Snipes or Rizzo? Um, it's always an honor, man. You know, I've had the privilege uh, within my career just to work with people who I've always idolized, or I've came up watching their films, setting as an example for myself then to have the opportunity to get the call and be like, yo, do you want to work with RZA? Yeah. Do you want to work with Wesley Snipes? Well, the last time I had seen Wesley prior to even doing this was at the Great Debater premiere. And I remember you had walked up to me and you had shook my hand. And I'm, you know, we, we, there was so much going on that night. And I remember you walked up to me and you shook my hand and you were like, how cool is 
formal summons. And I wanted to thank you for that, but I never got the opportunity to. So the fact that we got to do this film again was an opportunity for me to be like, thank you for the respect, but also you raised an entire generation of young black men to do powerful films. I dare say you would argue that he raised a generation of young white men to do the same. <laughs> Backstage, which I was flattered. Um, the cool thing ab about Kian too was, you know, the character he plays is called Junior, and a lot of people don't realize that sometimes when you get to very poverty communities like the Ninth Ward, um, there's always some Caucasian families that live there. They could be from military, going out fighting for the country, and they have enough to have cable, but they're still stuck in a in a very poverty situation. I wanted that kind of character to be in our film as well. And, um, and Junior, played by you, he, he, he delivered that so well, so thanks for joining the film. You know, Robert Rodriguez was, uh, it's like, um, he said, I, I got a kid for you that's in my dreams. That's great, Brendan, trust me, he's gonna come deliver, and he, yo, he let me down, so I wanna thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, when, when I read the script, uh, our, some of the producers said, we think cornrows might be a good idea for the character. And uh, we've seen cornrows work and not work in film. Um, so I was a little bit nervous, but um, I, really, I really thought that in order to get the role, I had to go all the way. So before I even got the role, before I even taped, I went to a hair salon, had them put in the cornrows, went through the two hours of uh, absolute hell. Um, I have so much more respect for anyone who ever uses cornrows as a life choice all the time. You, like, that, is, that hurts. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that the only way to really uh, give the role the respect that it deserves is to go all the way. That's what's up, man. I respect that. Committed to the role. Mr. Woodley, man, what are you doing here, bro? Man, that's a good question. I mean, what <laughs> up for the welterweight champion, dog? Zone. 
Needless to say, I'll, I'll think Rizzo appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait till they see the movie. Wait till you see the movie. And then I'll be remiss if I didn't ask, man. Can we get you and Conor McGregor in the ring? Can I have hey. oh. The thing about our sport is, and I'm going to be real, because I know a lot of you guys are big MMA fans, but a lot of guys talk about fighting guys. But when it comes down to fighting guys, I'm that guy that'll fight anybody. I got a whole chant that I do in my camp. I go, they think they want some, and the whole gym roar, but they don't really want none. Connor's in that list, along with Jordan St. Pierre, along with all the Diaz brothers. But when it comes down to fighting, you know, nobody's really been able to go out there and just take every tool from their opponent and leave them naked. Now they gotta deal with me, so. Give it up for the champ, though. I talked about Terrence Howard, and uh, he's on the set. something is going down the path, you let it go, right? But 
you know, you, if you have to nod, nudge a little left, nudge a little right, you nudge a little bit. But you don't stand in front of it, block it, pick it up, put it back. No, you got to roll this way. You don't do that. You let things flow. As Bruce Lee would say, be water, my friend. Eh? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let me ask you this, because well, we know you both uh, have love for uh, martial arts and you in multiple disciplines. Uh, As a matter of fact, we trained with the same Shaolin master. You guys trained with yeah, Master Shi Yang Men in New York City, Shaolin, USA Shaolin Temple. For how, how long have y'all trained together, or was it just that? Well, he's been trained with him couple, since 98. I met people. And I met you at the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, we, we met early and I just on some cool shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just on some cool shit. But he, he connected at the temple and both being uh, of the Shaolin discipline, Sifu Shiyame. Okay, did, at that time, did y'all ever even, did it even enter your mind to work together in film, or it was just all about discipline? It didn't cross my mind at the time. Uh -huh. I didn't even know he was I really talented in, in, in Shaolin. I thought he was just, you know, there maybe just doing demo or rap, Apple, rap, rap records with the, the Shaolin monk or something. I had no idea. <laughs> like, seriously. Uh -huh. And he was. Okay, and then that, that, that time y'all met before on some cool shit, uh, what was that about? We said we met on some cool shit, Sway. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I met Wesley on some cool shit. you have talent, you have ambition, you have aspiration, 
but those aspirations get washed away. And when those things get washed away, you turn to desperation. And um, this story is that, you know, it's definitely set in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. There is a heist, it's a great cast. But more importantly, you watch, this guy plays a guy who's just, he's just trying to be a comic book. He wanted to publish his comic book. Denzel plays a musician. He, he, he wants to be the next Miles Davis, you know? Keaton plays a guy who's raising pit bulls. He just wanna have a kennel or, and, and sell dogs, you know? Miracle, he could have been a criminal. <laughs> he, he was headed down a long path. But, <laughs> what about T.I.'s role? T.I. plays a guy who, took, who takes advantage of him. He plays a guy called Cousin, who uh, is uh, Demira's cousin, who he took all those FEMA trailers and he, you know, he started using fake addresses, getting fake checks, and any kind of street hustle he could do. But also, he also was a complicated character in the sense that he, he, he pointed out something. Let me say one thing. You'll see the movie, you'll get this. He, his character points out one thing you should think about. He says, I don't care if you're black, brown, red, yellow, white, male or female. The thing that makes us all Americans is our greed. And that is what motivates some of these characters, not just only their desperation, because after you taste something, you might want to taste it again. And so it's that conflict. Are we all greedy? Will we do the right thing at the right time? Or will our higher morals rise above us? You know what I mean? And this movie does ask that question. How many greedy people in the audience? Just a show of hands. Let me hear the all right? You are American. Give them a round. <laughs> All right, uh, this is what I want to do, man. I, I, I want to open up the floor for anybody in the audience that has questions. We have the opportunity to um, ask a question of a really star-studded staff uh, cast right here. What's your name? Uh, my name is Alexander. Okay. Uh, I actually, this is my first conference. I'm really excited. Uh, came out from the family story. So uh, I want to start by saying that Wu-Tang is for the children. Say Gordon Lou, right, and Bruce Lee. Imagine putting those two men together. So Gordon Lou is the uh, master cook from 36 Chambers. He would bring that spirituality, and of course Bruce Lee was the first man to have all of us walking around with a pair of new chucks, right? <laughs> uh, my two martial artists would probably be. Um, his name is slipping me, but I saw a movie called uh, It Man. It Man. Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. I mean, I like to be a movie. 
want to direct. <laughs> what is a, Tony Ja, him for sure, and then uh, gotta have a man Wesley. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go the comedy route just because everybody took this serious. I'm gonna go with Show Enough <laughs> against Steven Seagal. Like, are you saying they're two comic book characters? Yeah, <laughs> hey, uh, I grew up. Uh, I grew up watching. Boxing is technically not martial arts. I still think it should be. We gotta go with Muhammad Ali. He got all the good swag inside and outside the uh, ring. And we gotta go with Bruce Lee. And he's one of the originals of this to watch film with martial arts. Okay. Like he first came up. He went to one day. He slayed hard. They thought he was pulling up. Yeah. You, who you saying? Woo! Oh, yeah. Jet Li and Alexander Pushek. What's up with Sonny Chiba? All right. Uh, oh, yeah, what's your name, sir? Hi there, my name's Sam. Um, and first of all, I just want to say, Ridley, you're one of the greatest producers of all time. And Tyron, you're going to keep that belt for a long time. Cat, we'll start with you.
mixed with uh, when I'm boxing, I'm a boxer. I'm I'm, I'm trying to train with Tyrone, but we we can get it afterwards. Um, uh, but yeah, I I I'm always called the Wolf. Like you feel me? Or you the Wolf? Because I'm sparring bigger dudes than me. But uh, yeah, when I get upset, power come in, make a river. <laughs> Already, like you said, Tiger style. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger style. <laughs> All right, great question. Who else we got over there? What's your name, me? <laughs> My name is me. <laughs> social, political things. Uh, and more importantly though, I think, um, like I said, aspiration, desperation. Those are my two words here for you. Aspiration versus desperation. All right, thank you, B. Um, what's your name, sir? Tony.
but I like to work out, go to the gym. It's a place for me to, go, you know, clear my mind and stuff. And I'm also like a, a really good bowler. I'm sure that I can beat all my classmates in bowling for sure. That's a challenge. Uh, that is, that is, that's, that's a challenge. Free time, let's see. So I've been stepping behind the camera for the last couple years, and I know that's still kind of working, but I like to just sort of get lost, like put some music and uh, just take my camera out and just see what I see. That and race cars, because I come from a family who loves cars. Oh, I'm dead serious. Like, meet me at the track. That's where I'm at. Did you just learn that saxophone for this film, or did you already know? Oh, yeah. No, I totally learned that. I played saxophone in middle school. I only knew the Spider-Man theme. That was Which, by the way, shout out by the way, by the way, Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. You know. the panel from cutthroat city hope you enjoyed that I had a good time attending it it was pretty dope and exciting in the illustrious hall h at san diego comic-con coming up next i did my first press roundtable some of the actors were in, in some of the actors from the film were in attendance demetria ship jr kenan johnson denzel whitaker and tyrone woodley in the beginning before the interview started i had a brief interaction with demetria ship about where we talked about black mold which is a story I'll never forget and share with my children. The actors shared stories about working with Wesley Snipes and Terrence Howard and how they taught them a lot of valuable life lessons. The other journalists asked some great questions, like how does this differ from other heist films? Keenan Johnson and the rest of the actors speak to the authenticity of the film and how filming in the Ninth Ward was an experience in itself. Hope you enjoy. I just had the flu. I got to bounce back, baby. <laughs> Man, what? For real, I was down for a week. I lost weight like a motherfucker. Why is it every time we see you, you're always sick? Right before. I've, wait. What yeah. The fuck? You, know, yeah, you were oh, sick no, right no, before we you went know, home. I, I found out what it was. I had mold uh, in my bathroom. Oh, well, that's should, not good. Yeah, that should have fucked you. You got up. asthma? No, nah, yeah. I don't have asthma. Gotta tear your asthma up. Oh. But it, it'll just fuck up your like immune system. Respiratory. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for my fans, real quick, what's uh, Cutthroat uh, City about? Oh, we already getting to it. All right. Go ahead, Kim. Oh, I was, I was going to oh. tell my grandpa a story. Before we go. Oh. oh. All right. I'm just kidding. Oh, no? Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's start then. <laughs> um, all right. Hi. Um, yeah, so, I mean, loosely, Cutthroat City is about uh, four kids uh, right after Hurricane Katrina. Um, 
they're seeing the whole city of New Orleans being built around them, and they're seeing the Ninth Ward, the only place being neglected, and the only place not being treated well, and the only place not receiving any money. And these young kids... Old. There you go. That's, that's a true actor right there. You know so when dedicated. Playing, yeah. And these and these and you and you start to see these young kids uh, needing to make money for themselves, and then choosing uh, choosing a route that they probably wouldn't have to go otherwise. And they start robbing casinos throughout Louisiana, um, and that's loosely what the film's about. Don't want to give too much away. Yeah, we all been there before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, when you, high situations, you gotta sometimes you just gotta go rob a casino. But yep. I think it's also it's like meta, it's metaphorical because it's. You know, the first things that were, there's a line in the film that the first things that were being built right after Hurricane Katrina, the first things, Harrah's was up right away, uh, you know, the casinos were up and running, and then the places that really mattered weren't ever looked at, so it was us kind of like, you know, sticking it to the man. And what was it like working with uh, an older crowd who's known for their role as gangsters? Like, what did you learn from them on set? Everything. I mean, we just just in not even just as actors, but I think just in like life situations, learning uh, just the way that these people live their lives and and little um, little things that they probably don't think are that important, but when you hear it, you're like, I gotta go write that down somewhere. You know, things that Terrence would say or things that Wesley <laughs> would say. <laughs> you'd be like, you know, like on voice memo, trying to record. He's oh, like, yeah. kind of like even even and, and of course Riza, like on top of all things, like spending a month with him. Definitely was just you know we'd go out to dinner and he would just you you don't you're, you're not you want Riza to talk all of dinner you don't want to get a word in edgewise mm -hmm. because his stories are so incredible um, and you learn you know you learn so much by being with him it's very humbling in that in that regard because like you know you might call him an OG an old head like but when you I, I think you kind of said it best like when you listen to the stories like these are people who created legacies for themselves and these are people who have also set examples for us you know uh for men of the culture like they've represented basically our soundscape of what we were listening to growing up or either movies that we were watching growing up so it would behoove us like we would be idiots to not listen to their stories you know mm -hmm. Uh, whether whether they play in gangster films, whether they play in martial art films, it really doesn't matter. It's all about the life experience. Yeah, they definitely dropped a lot of game. Uh, Terrence was was it was almost as if he used the opportunity um, with having us there to make sure that he shed light on things and you know gave us a little bit of game that he could. Because once he's there, like my whole time on set with him, he was just dropping bars like all day long it was like all right i'm here this is what y'all need me for like we go when it's time to act i'm gonna get to what i gotta get to i'm gonna handle business but for in between takes come here young blood you know what i'm saying come here young blood let me holler at you and, and tell you something it was just a whole lot of stuff um <clears throat> as well as wesley um him giving a, a, a lot of knowledge like workout stuff like because i don't know people i don't know like a lot of people don't know like wesley's still in shape he like yeah. 50 mm -hmm. some years old. Like if he take, he had a white beater on on set. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy <laughs> to see this dude like still like in tip top shape. Like, and then I'm asking Wesley like, Yo, how you, you know, say how you get here and you still like this? And he's like, you know, gave me some game. I think we ended up doing some push ups and some little yoga poses and all type of stuff. Well, it was mainly me? it was mainly the yoga poses. He was yeah. like, I swear by downward dog. Right, right. That's I swear that's by it. <laughs> he's like, he's like, what? he's like, look, do downward dog right now. Do it for for 30 seconds. I guarantee you, you break a sweat. I'm like, all right, let's go. I get up, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> 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 I 
I've known Wesley for a long time, and the thing about Wesley is what makes him such a great actor is you know him in person. He's nothing like any other character he's played. He's not Nino Brown. He's not Pootie Tang. He's not Blade. <laughs> For him to be so different in real life and when he transformed himself, like, he told me that people are still mad at him in um, New Jack City. Mm-hmm. They're, like, legit real-life mad at him. Um, so I think that, you know, RZA, from the scene that I was in, when he was yelling out the lines, I felt like he was an actor talking the lines through. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, it, it really feels like he's he's almost living this role. He's living this character. He knows it so well in his mind. And I think that's why artistically as a, as a producer and a rapper, he was able to portray that whole mental image. They had like a cultish following. It's very similar to the Comic-Con if you want to think about right. it. That was kind of how the, you know, the Wu-Tang fan, uh, fan base was. Um, you could definitely tell the energy was there that he put the work in. That's what I would say. Because I really didn't know what to expect. And um, the role is very much different from what he's, you know, hey, to what you expect him to be. Well, it's a, it's a, believe it or not, it's a, it's a, vul- it's a vulnerable right, role. Right, it's very, very it's, it's vulnerable. A, it's, a, it's, it's someone put in a situation where uh, he's he's scared shitless. And, um, yeah, it was cool. I mean, I've, I've been watching fights for a long time, so it was, it was also interesting seeing him, you know, pissing his pants a little bit. <laughs> 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 yeah. well, he he definitely brought it. You see that waiver. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I actually want to follow up on that. For sure, I, I try to separate all my categories. Like, Tyron will be the, the father, it's different than Tyron will be the podcaster, different than Tyron will be the Amazon TV show, different than the actor, different than the Fox analyst, and di- way different than the fighter. Because the fighter, out of all the things I do, that's the thing I do the least. I fight three times a year, maybe. I haven't fought in a year. So if you, if you paint one house, that don't make you a painter. Um, I fight because I'm good at it. I fight because you know, I use it as a vehicle to open up other doors. But I plan on doing the same thing, being a world champion in acting and film and entertainment and music and anything that has to do with the art. So I just really, I never, I just never want to be in something to be in it. If I'm going to be in it, I want to be all the way in. I want to be the best at it. I really respect you diversifying your bonds. You said what? I really respect you diversifying your bonds. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. Dimitri, did you, did you got the joke that was just on that about the, the Tupac thing, but in all seriousness, like how, how is it for you to feel getting those these new roles to move away from that a little bit? Because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it was an iconic moment for you to play that role, but I obviously you have other goals as an actor. Right. Um. So uh, that was a wonderful opportunity. It's led me to be here, and uh, so I'm I'm forever grateful for that experience and for that marker in my career and in my life. Um. But moving past it and giving this opportunity has been beautiful for me, because it was a, it's a complete you know different thing that I I got to do. It's it's me breathing life into my own character and. Uh, being from New Orleans and, and having that and taking on that and you know embodying what it's like to be from the you know the NOLA culture and um, you know just just separating myself and becoming my own person, my own actor, and doing my own thing and uh, you know growing in it. Uh, what makes it different? Hmm. That we're robbing casinos <laughs> and we're young. Yeah. Three, three, and, three and a half black guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh-huh. the, the age, the age and desperation. Well, no, because the heist movies, there's always desperation. I think it's, I think it's the characters who are telling the story right. that and makes it very yeah. different. And not to interrupt you, but it's a relatable story that 
that something that actually caused it that uh, you know the Amer it's an American historic event that happened that led mm -hmm. us to get to this you know well, so it's, people a, it's can also it's also not a, it's not a it, the story is not about a bunch of thugs who get together and decide to go on heists it's right. about a bunch of young kids who have grown up together and don't know what else to do and they're in, in a time of need and uh, it's really to them it's their only choice of getting out and, and, and not being stuck in the ninth ward for the rest of their life Keenan, how how is fan reception different for a movie like Cutthroat City as opposed to like a man uh, manga fandom like Alita? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a built-in fan base with uh, with the, with the manga, but um, uh, I mean, it, both both receptions have been incredible. Um, yesterday was the Alita kickoff, and you kind of saw you got to watch people watch. You know, we watched showed 18 minutes of the the footage, and people seem to love it. Uh, but on on this side, you know, it's like you have you have the famous Rizza directing you know a film that you know he nailed he nailed the kung fu aesthetic in Man with the Iron Fist, and I think that as a director for him to be able to very much like Robert Rodriguez and why I think that they are close friends and Quentin like they don't they don't really they have a style but their style is not one specific way of shooting, so it was cool being a fan of Man with the Iron Fist and then seeing how he approached this film. Uh, trying to not, trying to like nail the aesthetic of the Ninth Ward and nail the aesthetic of these like young gritty kids. Um, so yeah, I mean it was, it, it, it was it's great, it's great to be part of both films and uh, they're both looking great so far. I don't know, I don't know what he did on Alita, but he definitely stands out in this movie for sure. His character is definitely someone that you're going to be captivated by. How did you all become part of this project? I actually, uh, I heard about it a long time ago. My uh, my roommate at the time, Jared Einstein, uh, is uh, one of the producers on the film. And uh, that guy over there. Um, and uh, he brought he brought he brought this uh, character to me and said, "Is this something that you'd be interested in playing?" And it was you know how could you not? And with the with the people that he was surrounding the, uh, the cast with, and I've obviously been a fan of all these guys' work. Be so fun to spend a month in New Orleans and become brothers and uh, get gritty and, and, and act. There's nothing. There's nothing better. Uh, I was kind of like the last man to get the call. I was like the sixth <laughs> man off the bench. <laughs> uh, for no for no real purpose, really. It was it was like uh, the producer, same producer, Jared, and also Will, who I'd worked with on another film called Submerged. They both hit me up like the, the day before Thanksgiving, and you guys were the role in the production. And they hit me up and they were like, "Yo, man, uh, so we need the heart. We need somebody to come in and make people cry. <laughs> people <laughs> like, you want to come do this film in New Orleans?" And they just started listing the, the cast, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on." So yeah, this is happening because you know it's Thanksgiving. It's the end of the year. Things like uh, start to swallow down a little, like you know dwindled down basically to vacations and whatnot. So I'm thinking the rest of my year is set. All of a sudden, next thing I know, day after Thanksgiving, back to the house and fly out. So I got um, called by Will, one of the producers. I did a movie called Still Playing Cool with him. Um, and also did a movie called Off the Hook where I didn't have shit for the Instagram. Um, he did that movie, and then um, he called me about this part. He said, man, I want to warn you, man, it's a little different. <laughs> I want you to read this first and see if you're comfortable with it. And then... Um, I just fought not too long ago, you know, 
money-wise, I was like, all right. You know, I wasn't rich, but I wasn't broke. And I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, do I really want to go out there and do this for for this, this particular part? Because, you know, in, in film, you always got to consider how is this going to impact your career? Is it going to be something that helps you? A certain role that I don't care what the dollar amount is, I'm never going to do a mm-hmm. certain type of role. So I, I read it, I thought about it, prayed about it, and I said, all right, I'll see, I'll see you tomorrow. So that's how that happened. Um, for me, to be honest, um, a lot. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a call, like I got the, the email, like to self-tape, I believe. It was either self-tape or coming in. And that they had sent it to me. And then I think like a little bit later on, like the day, I got like offer. I was like, oh, well, that was nice. <laughs> and then I seen the names attached to it. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, yo, don't hesitate nothing. You know, like, don't, don't like slow nothing down. I need the paperwork fast. Let's move it <laughs> fast. Let me sign quick and I'm ready to go. So um, it, it, it was just amazing. I, I'm so happy like, and excited because it, it came right off of All Eyes on Me. Um, and I had the most amazing experience as far as like my second movie that I could ever have. One cool thing about the movie that when when I was talking to Will, they were in the building portions of building this movie when we were doing Escape Plan 2. So they hadn't had the cast yet, and they were showing me the crew they were thinking about using, completely different than everybody that's on the panel right now. And, <laughs> you know, it was, it was good actors, but it was just budgeting and raising funds for it, and he was telling me the concept of it and what he was thinking about it. And then sometimes a, a project stops there. It never really reaches the, the point where it hit fruition where you actually get somebody to see the same vision you have and invest that money into that. And, the, you know, it takes one or two big-name actors to, to commit because if, if you would have seen a list of actors that you didn't know, maybe you would have thought for a, few, a second or third about it. Yeah. But when you start seeing people with strong careers and strong names behind it, it starts to attach themselves. So more importantly for me, I thought it was dope for me to see this is an idea, like on the smallest little one-page press kit thing ever. And then over time, it's like getting better, it's getting better, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. And then we got people that are interested and let's see what it's become. Now, I think this is like a, a sleeper movie that's gonna do crazy numbers. I think it's gonna do crazy. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, when you think about like a new Jack City or you think about Think about the budget of a Friday or a movie like that that just because of the energy, the youth in the acting, the, the OGs in there, what they're talking about. New Orleans has had this tax break forever. Mm-hmm. After the hurricane hit, they had the tax break. All the films start going there. People start moving to New Orleans. Nobody did a film about the catastrophe. Nobody really touched on it. So though it was a long time ago, this is going to be the first time that somebody didn't just go and participate in this huge tax incentive and they actually show some tribute and respect and really told the story the way it should be. So I think with those three different categories, I think this movie can do crazy. So I'm just glad I got to do my piece in it and um, I'm going to watch these guys do their thing. Rizza thought it, we, we, we met with a, um, a dialect coach because we wanted to obviously that was get as much respect. Yo, that, had to, that, was a, that had to be a very unique learning experience for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like for myself, too, but it was like. So, so we're, we're playing these kids who grew up in a very impoverished, um, uh, rough area, 
and then we get a, uh, a dialect coach who uh, <laughs> didn't quite meet those requirements. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> she just, but she just wasn't. She just wasn't right. And yeah. I, I, I mean, she was. She was a great human being. Nothing against she her. She wasn't the kid I saw. And right. No, she wasn't the kid. <laughs> and you know, you know, you want to, you want to give as much respect to the these characters as possible. And Riza had the brilliant idea of just like we're shooting the Ninth Ward. Like let's just hire some guys from the Ninth Ward who like speak the lingo and mm. just. And so we met with these these like three guys who were always on set, born and raised Ninth Ward. Uh, all you know, both houses have been torn up, uh, s- have been slowly renovating for years and years and years. Um, and he would just you know read read your lines, and I'd listen and try to get everything I could from it. And uh, they were the best dialect coaches we could have ever had. Whoa, the real deal. <laughs> yeah. whoa, whoa. And best travel guides at that point. <laughs> right. I mean, they showed us around the town, so yeah, and they true. gave us a bunch of little slang. It, w- it was definitely interesting and funny. Um, being around those people because it was really authentic, you know what I'm saying? You got to feel like, damn, I'm, I'm really a part of this, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's not like me just like And they made us feel really yeah. comfortable too. Like I'm sure I'm sure there was multiple times where we didn't exactly hit, hit the dialect on, but they would come and, and tell us in a way that was helpful and um, I think they also wanted what was best for the film and I think RZA being the smart man that he is, including the Ninth Ward, and not just saying we're going to shoot a movie here about the Ninth Ward, but not include any of you in the way that you know we we used homes of these you know our uh, uh, the guy who would who do my fade, um, he lived. Um, Scoop. Scoop. Uh, yeah. yeah. He he lived in the Ninth Ward, and we filmed at his house. We filmed at his house, yeah. and it was cool, just like including these people and including like you know we weren't building any sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have the money to, but we, uh, you know, we wanted to, we wanted it to be as, uh, as, um, can't think of the word, authentic, authentic as possible. Yeah. With, with situations like what happened in Puerto Rico after Hurricane or Flint, mm-hmm. Michigan, like what's it like filming in the Ninth Ward right now? Like, is it still? It's devastating. It's, oh, yeah. it's still like, absolutely. It's, it's devastating. crazy. I mean, there was a, there was a schoolhouse, um, and it was, it was, it was, like the actual film, the second you drive over the, the bridge, it just mm-hmm. changes instantly. Right. Like you're downtown, uh, yeah, it was, and it's, it's completely Harris is Harris is, uh, is is a cathedral. It's massive, the lights and everything. Canal Street is popping. And then and then you everywhere. and you pl- cross the bridge, and I mean, there's still. I just remember seeing my my character. Um, I got to choose a lot of the tattoos for my character, and I really wanted uh, on the doors. They kind of have like the statistical what happened in each home, so they'd have, I, I don't remember the exact way they laid out, but it's basically an X, yeah. the top, the bottom, the side, side, and they all had a, a separate um, uh, meaning of how many people died in the house, um, when this house was vacated, stuff like that. So um, I wanted to have one that kind of represented that. I had it on my, for, uh, my uh, left bicep. But um, what was interesting is even being there, houses still have that sign on their doors, mm-hmm. like still. Like they have not even removed that with paint. You still see like these houses that have been run down since Katrina, and that was re- that was really interesting. Yeah. Just well, seeing just seeing how it just hasn't nothing's changed. One you know? interesting thing that I learned was that um, I think one of the drivers told us is that there was a lot of so there were houses that were you know built up and you could see that they were fixed. You could still see some of the like water marks at the bottom, mm-hmm. but what you could also see was certain ho- homes was that were they were like just completely demolished. 
And that's because people didn't have the money to rebuild their houses, so they just had to, like, you know, sell the land or whatever and mm -hmm. just leave it at that. And that was crazy because it was like you see houses and it's like a big gap in between. Yeah. And sadly, obviously, real estate, yeah. real estate is an issue there and people aren't buying, so mm -hmm. people can only really try to sell for nothing. Um, so, yeah, there is a lot of, like, you know, just big potholes of, you know, rubble. Just abandonment, really. Mm -hmm. There's abandonment with cars. There's, like, abandonment uh, with, like, lawns and homes. Like, you'll yeah, just see sure. half of a home blown out. And, you know, it's... For us, like, we'll show up sometimes on a set, and a set will be, you know, made to look like a tragedy. There wasn't really a joking matter every day we were on set. Like, it was real for us. There was one scene where, like, literally within the movie, we just walk around, and we're just supposed to look at the area. Well, that wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't acting for us. That was us being really in the area and hearing the stories from different people, uh, who've either like communities have banded together to even uh, help the homes. Like one of the drivers had told me like, he literally went over to his neighbor's house because nobody was gonna do it. The government wasn't gonna give them any money. Uh, it was all about a community thing and the community got together because that's all they had. Again, Cutthroat City is directed by RZA. It will be out in early 2019. We're looking forward to seeing it and reviewing the movie. Rate and review the show wherever you get it. Share it with a friend. And make sure you see Cutthroat City. Two up, two down.